Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now, I just have to, to apologise that this episode didn't have the normal music intro and um, exit at the end, but I really wanted to get an episode out today for Christmas week, and I thought I just want to do something really simple and just to record it and to model imperfection. So I hope that you're going to find the content useful, um, but apologies for not having that music. It will be back. So I wanted to talk today about setting eating disorder recovery goals for 2022. Now, as I'm recording this, we're still in the Christmas season right now. I'm actually recording this on the 26th of December. So many of you will still be experiencing your Christmas celebrations, whether that be happy or difficult times or a mixture of the two. So sending lots of love to you all. And remember, that Christmas is a brief time, although it may not feel it at this time. And if you are struggling, this too will pass. So I'm going to talk about setting some eating disorder recovery goals. Now, of course, as well, you can set goals at any point in time. However, New Year can be as good a time as any, because I guess many people will be doing their goal setting now. And especially the world around you will probably be starting to lure you down the sort of diet culture goal route, particularly kind of post-Christmas. People starting to talk about wanting to lose weight, go on diets, join the gym, all of that. So it can be a really valuable time to step aside and get strongly rooted in your own lane and deciding the future that you want with your own recovery rather than being pulled in all these different directions. And you don't want to be procrastinating recovery or putting it off until someday. Because eating disorders sadly can rob weeks, months and ultimately years of your life. You can't get back to your teenage finding your identity phase with fun and experimentation. You know, if you're spending all that time and wrapped up in an eating disorder. Or your 20s where you're growing up and finding yourself and hopefully travelling meeting people, having experiences and growing as a person or at any point in life, you know, having an eating disorder massively impacts the quality of your relationships, your career, ultimately your potential and what you can do with your life. Having an eating disorder is like having a millstone around your neck, which you're dragging with you. It stunts your growth, it numbs your feelings, sucks your identity away and makes a smaller life. So how to even begin to embrace recovery goals, though. So I'm going to talk about five different ways to kind of approach your goals and kind of drawing partly on my own experience and also what I use with my clients. So I guess just have a listen, you know, get a, have a pen and paper handy and you kind of ask some questions at the end of each point that I talk about. So you can like journal and really get the most out of this podcast. And I guess you are the expert on you. So take from this what is helpful and the bits that are not so helpful, you don't have to take. You know, I really would trust anyone listening. You have this inner wisdom. Begin to learn to trust and tap into it. 
So number one, when embracing eating disorder recovery goals, you need an extraordinary focus and dedication to recovery. Now, how I wish that recovery was simply turning up for an hour a week of therapy or finding the perfect therapist or coach to guide you along the road to healing. Sadly, it's not. Recovery from an eating disorder is often a life overhaul because the eating disorder is like a weed that has tangled roots running through every minute of your day. And it's not just about the food or how you feel about your body. It impacts your relationships, your work, the way you care for yourself and how you show up in the world. And this can feel overwhelmingly scary to face up to. And it can feel such a huge responsibility then to be taking on change. And you might wonder, where would you even begin? So I'm saying it's a life overhaul and a lot down to you. But of course, therapy or other support from loved ones or professionals can be often a necessary part and vital part of the journey. So you haven't got to do it alone. But ultimately, it is your recovery and your journey. This is terrifying, but it's also empowering. And you might not realize it yet, but you have so much wisdom inside of you. And part of the problem sometimes is that you've been spinning so fast and you've been so distracted with all this food and exercise and binging, whatever it is, you haven't even had a chance to begin to tune in. So by beginning to devote some time to recovery, by slowing down, by committing some of your time and energy, by setting boundaries and maybe saying no to other parts of your life, you can begin to carve out some healing time. And actually, you'll be amazed at what is possible when you start to slow down and when you give recovery the focus it needs. So if you're listening to this, what could be your first baby step to carving out more time for your recovery? You know, maybe it's going to be something like setting your intentions in the morning with what you want to be working on Maybe it's about asking a really good friend or family member to support you. Maybe it's about creating a meal plan. It's very much an individual thing and what is going to be the first step for you. But it does take time. It does take energy. But this is time so well invested and you will really reap the demand. You know, we will really reap the benefits not the demand put in. Number two, get clear on your life goals and values. Now, I don't think that anyone really wants to be remembered at their funeral, for losing weight and doing it well. But often, we are leading our lives with the dedication, time and focus on this goal, although it isn't really our highest value. It's kind of become our highest value. Now, as human beings, it can be challenging to live a value-aligned life. We are pulled in different directions. We have expectations thrust on us by society, well-meaning family, friends, and ourselves. And often, we might be climbing a ladder which is leant against the wrong wall. So to help get clarity on your values, you can think about what would really matter to you now if you had just a year left to live. Now, I know this is quite a morbid thought, but I think when we do this exercise, it really helps us to focus on what is important. So if you had a year left, 
What would you be doing with your time? Who would you be spending time with? What hobbies or activities would you do? COVID dependent, of course. Where would you travel? Or where would you want to be going and seeing? What would you be doing with your work time or study? Now, when we narrow our focus in this way, all the important parts of life just disappear. We suddenly understand what brings meaning to us and what doesn't. And we are likely to care much less about what others think, but to get really aligned with what matters most. Of course, you don't want to wait to make changes until you have little time left. You want to refocus now and tune in to what it is that you really want. And even if you have no idea or how to possibly begin to achieve it or even take the first step, just being honest with yourself and saying things out loud or writing them down can be so empowering. So get your journal, write down what you want for your life. Think about your health, your relationships, your work and study, your hobbies, your fun and adventure, your finances, your spirituality, and whatever else is important for you to include. Number three, Surround yourself with the encouragers and uplifters. Now, we cannot do this on our own. Recovery is not easy. You need people around you who make you feel good. Now, this might be your family, but it might not be. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that sometimes the people that we would like to be our supporters actually cannot be this. And this is often disappointing and frustrating and a bit of a grieving process. But actually, if someone isn't able to be there for you, whatever their reasons, it's really helpful just to acknowledge that as a truth because it frees you up then to really tap into support that is going to be helpful. So the key here is noticing how you feel when you're around particular people. Do you feel uplifted, accepted, loved or believed in? Because even having one or two people in your life who can do this for you can massively help your self-belief and your ability to make changes. And I know myself, people that have believed in me have had a huge impact then on my life healing and personal development. But in contrast, if you're predominantly around people who sap your energy or criticise or berate you or put you down or offload all of their problems all of the time, without there being balance and mutual sharing, then no wonder that you're finding the prospect of change difficult. You need to distance yourself from the drainers and spend more time with the uplifters and encouragers. And I do understand, you know, sometimes we can't choose our family members or certain people that are in our lives and we love them and we still want them to be part of our lives. But it is important to have boundaries, okay? Maybe there's some people that can still be in your life, you can still love them, you can still maintain a relationship, but you can have firm boundaries so that you are mainly surrounded by people that uplift and support you. And this translates as well to social media, because if you're focusing on material on social media that is impacting your thoughts in a negative way and causing you to obsess more with the eating disorder behaviours, then you absolutely need to block, mute or unfollow and to replace your feed with uplifting and supportive accounts 
are going to fuel your journey with positive energy and healing. So have a think about who are the five people that you consider to be your closest people and do an honest audit of these relationships. Are these people supporting you or not? And what might you need to change? You know, who might you need to distance yourself from a bit more? Who do you want to spend more time with? And do the same with social media. And I often say to my clients, be ruthless in the preservation of your own mental health because of no one else is going to do that for you. But with something like social media, we do have a choice about what we engage with. And you can step into a place where you feel much more empowered and you're engaging with stuff that's really going to support you and help you. Number four, it's a grieving process and that's okay. Now, saying goodbye to your eating disorder can feel like letting go of an old friend, maybe a toxic friend who sometimes will be there and supporting you through, but ultimately a friend that is not going to enhance your life for the long term. For everything it gives, this friend also takes away. Having said this, taking the different fork in the road can bring grief. Grief for the identity that the eating disorder gave you Grief for the focus and distraction it offered you. Grief for what is safe and known and truly yours. Grief for the praise you receive from the outside world when engaging in ED behaviours, even if inwardly you're in battle with yourself. So say, for example, if you work in the fitness industry and you're highly validated for your physique, even though you're struggling with eating disorder behaviours behind the scenes and there are many personal costs for you, then it's going to be a grief maybe letting go of that external validation, but actually knowing that you are taking a step in the right direction to heal yourself and to be truly authentic and on a healthy path. It's okay to grieve. It's part of the healing journey. It's part of the process to go through. And your brain will often be nostalgic or idealize the past. You'll remember the good bits with longing whilst brushing over all the ways the ED has held you back. And the important thing here to recognise is to recognise this for what it is. Rose-tinted nostalgia is not the whole truth. And it's so interesting how the human brain does this. You know, I think we don't do, just do this for saying goodbye to an ED. We say we do this when we're saying goodbye to any kind of relationship, perhaps that hasn't been healthy for us. So saying, you know, saying goodbye to anything that's not so good for us we can often look back with nostalgia and kind of idealize something that wasn't really that ideal. So it's really helpful to take a step back, notice you're doing that and look at it from a whole perspective. And by letting go of something that is ultimately toxic and holding you back, you're making space for newness and freedom and much better self-worth. So reflect on your common thought patterns that fuel unhelpful nostalgia. Are there old photos maybe that you're holding on to that you look back on and then they trigger all these thoughts of maybe kind of wanting to go back to those old ED behaviours? Are there memories that you're getting stuck in which don't truly reflect the whole rational picture? Be frank and honest with yourself so you can create some emotional distance from the old ways of thinking. Number five, the baby steps add up to a big deal. Now, anyone that follows my Instagram or listens to this podcast knows that I'm always banging on about baby steps. <laughs> and I truly do believe in this so much because I think 
if we make little steps week by week by week, you know, just imagine how much change that adds up to, how much change can be made over the course of a year. You know, 52 weeks, baby steps, really the big, the little steps add up to some massive changes. And it's so important to hold that picture in mind because I think otherwise we tend to get overwhelmed and we feel like we want to fix it all in like six weeks, which isn't doable. If you're looking at the bigger picture, so much is doable and possible. So I remember in my own recovery journey, just feeling overwhelmed where to start. And for those of you who don't know, I had bulimia through my late teens and into my 20s. And I certainly couldn't tackle everything in one go. So my friend's beeping in the background, apologies for that. Sometimes you need to break it down and focus on the one thing that is going to help give you a leap forward with your progress. Now, for me, a major turning point in working on the bulimia was working to stop purging through self-induced vomiting. Now, of course, getting well from an eating disorder is much more than eliminating one behavior. However, the purging for me was extremely detrimental and fueled further ginormous binges and restrictive eating. So by addressing the purging, this really had powerful ripples then on many other aspects of my recovery and then my life. So I'd always identified that as something that would be so positive to work on. That wasn't a perfect process of deciding one day to stop and then it just happened. It was messy and imperfect. But every day that I didn't purge, I gained momentum and confidence in what was possible. And every day that I didn't purge, I had even more to lose from going back to purging again. And I knew that just doing it once could potentially open the floodgates and it would unlikely to be just once. I would very likely fall down a slippery slope. Now, when I'm saying this as well, I'm not advocating approaching this in a very black and white way. I just want to be clear about that because I think blips, relapses, slipping back into purging, it's going to happen as part of the recovery journey. And it's really important to view that as a blip, get back on the horse and, um, you know, see it as part of the journey. But I guess I just really want to emphasize here that with, for me, working on the purging in a very focused way and really working on trying to stop that behavior was something that was massively helpful to me. So it was hard. It was an ingrained habit. Purging brought me relief dopamine hit and it was a kind of way of splitting off my negative emotions you know I would kind of get rid of all my negative emotions but I wouldn't get rid of them because I was not doing well emotionally at all but I would temporarily get relief from my negative emotions so I could seemingly go out into the world and to be coping but you know it wasn't like that I was falling apart um but stopping purging it not only allowed me to save my teeth my health what felt like an addiction to food, it allowed me to tune into my body again, to start to deal with feelings more constructively and to value my worth in a broader way rather than just through the eating disorder. So yes, it was messy. Yes, it was hard, but absolutely it was worth it. And I, you know, when I look back on my own recovery, the year I stopped purging, um, I absolutely view that as a defining moment in my recovery. Because after that, I still struggled with some binging. I still struggled with body image. Um, I still struggled with regulating my emotions. But that stopping that particular behavior almost catapulted me forward to another level of recovery. 
And I'm not saying that that would be the right thing for everybody. You know, this was my story. You need to decide on your own girl goal and what you need to focus on first. So it might be more regular eating and dedicating time and effort to some meal planning and self-care. You know, you might really want to focus on that. It might be throwing out the weighing scales or beginning to reduce your frequency of weighing and really focusing on that. It might mean eating all your meals at a table and breaking free from mindless eating and eating at the cupboard door. And it might be planning in some self-care and journaling time daily so you can reflect on your recovery goals and values and stay focused in your own lane. So what is it for you? Think about what could be the one thing to focus on first that could really help propel you forward. So in recap about setting ED recovery goals for 2022, number one, you need extraordinary focus and dedication. You know, put recovery right up there is so important. Yes, in the short term, that's hard. The long term, it's such an investment and it's going to really help you make some more rapid changes and really put the eating disorder further behind you. Number two, get clear on your life goals and values. If you had a year to live, what is it that you'd be doing with your time? Number three, so important, surround yourself with encouragers and uplifters. We need people in our life who are our cheerleaders and you only need one or two. Number four, it's a grieving process and that's okay. You will grieve the eating disorder. Because you grieve it, it doesn't mean that you have to go back to it, okay? You can still grieve for it, long for it sometimes, be nostalgic about it, but still want to recover, okay? So I think it's just really holding that all in mind. Grieving is a part of the process. As with any decision we make in our lives, we take a different fork in the road. And finally, the baby steps do add up to a very big deal. And truly, do not forget that. I strongly believe that. And when I look back at all the baby steps I've made along the road, it just makes me realise how far I have come. So I hope you found this episode helpful. If you want to share any of your own recovery goals for 2022, do share in the comments. Or if you'd like to send me a DM on Instagram, I would be thrilled to hear. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you would follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.